Hello everybody and welcome to Brumvagunio, weekly dose of bicycle and bicycle stories. I have to say that I'm pretty, pretty sorry for you guys because I believe that this intro is going to be pretty shitty. And uh, yeah, it's my fault. I'm here in Mallorca for this long weekend and actually I'm in Sineu. I would say Sino, but we are not in Belgium here. And uh, yes, so I didn't bring with me my microphone to make the perfect audio setting. So recording with my phone, uh, it's some problem that we have to figure it out, but I hope that it's not going to be pretty shitty. Anyways, I'm here, so follow me on, obviously, Instagram, instagram.com slash calamaro.cc, my new address, twitter.com slash readcalamaro, the old address, but it's really, really there and completed for you. You can read all the stuff that I'm writing over there. Or you can send me an email. Hello at calamaro.cc is my email. Thanks to Wahoo and thanks for Isador supporting me also for this vacation. It's so great. Today I just synced my Wahoo with the power meter and it's so cool, so easy. It's just a snap. Yeah, I would say that now it's time to kick off the interview not only because this audio is pretty shitty but also because the interview that i did this week is pretty long i interviewed paul uh sorry paul paul niemeyer country manager dach of strava and it was an amazing and super long chat listen to this interview and talk to you later and yeah thanks a lot to my guest here today i am pretty excited to have here Paul from are you the country manager of Strava Germany? Hi Stefano, yes, uh, absolutely right. I'm the country manager for Strava Central Europe for the German speaking markets for Germany, Austria, Switzerland. That's exactly right. Uh, so we can define it Dach. That's right. That's the term <laughs> we always use, yeah, or in the sports industry, I believe it's it's established Dach. That's right. Great. Just to give a bit of background to the people that are listening to us today. Actually, Paul was so kind to send me an email full of compliments and saying, Look, man, I would really love to be part of your podcast, of your Broomwagoon. And then we had a call before and it was so kind also to be here in the recording. I'm super happy and so thank you to be here, Paul. Absolutely. Likewise, love to play back to you, Stefano. It's, as you said, it was really fun to listen to a bunch of your episodes, really got into it and the classic, the classic podcast scenario. You Once once you, you like one episode, you just dig deeper and deeper and listen to another one. And I thought, oh, I want to see, I want to talk about Strava. I, I want to. I want to present Strava a little bit because obviously uh, I'm quite passionate about the about the brand, about the phenomena, if you like, and I think there's plenty of stuff to talk about. So really pleased to be here and hopefully we'll unearth some nuggets within the world of Strava where you also go, ah, this, this is fun. This is good. I didn't know that. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah, for sure. This is the main topic, but uh, I don't know. I think that people already understood that it's going to be a long talk. So to everybody out there, Take a seat, grab, I don't know, a beer or a warm tea or whatever you want and sit down because it's going to be great fun here. First of all, I would love to have from you, Paul, a short presentation, a small introduction. So your name, full name and surname is Paul Neimeyer. I know that I'm making all the time mistakes, so that's why. I like actually people to have fun of my pronunciation. (laughs) I was going to say that's almost right. Uh, Probably my my fellow German friends would call me Paul Niemeyer, but you you <laughs> met, you delivered it with 
with a whole lot of character. I love it. <laughs> okay, thank you. And obviously, yeah, I listened to the to the to the other ep- other episodes of Broom Wagon and really enjoyed the the intro. So maybe briefly give a little bit of my little background on my cycling history and what I've yeah how I ended up on a bike or maybe these days more in a running shoe, right? <laughs> <laughs> so always been it's fun like everyone that you probably that you probably interview on the on the podcast i've grew up on bikes right it's the classic history boy gets given a bike falls in love with it just doesn't want to get off it i actually started off on a mountain bike um spent a couple of years pro semi-pro racing to yeah end of end of school years early university days then got into a triathlon the forbidden world within the cycling world, right? Got to be careful. But now that I now that I said it, it's too late. Did a couple of years of triathlon, and then, which included obviously also loads of road racing, and yeah, spent the years in the drops on a on a very light road bike as well. And these days, a couple of fast forward, 15, 15 years later, still loving the bike. Probably still loving the the mountain bike most. Um, but also spend a lot of time trying to just get out in running shoes in winter, try to ski a lot, do a lot of backcountry skiing. I live in the, the southern tip of Germany, in Upper Bavaria, very, very beautiful. And there's plenty of plenty of environment really just to go out and be in the wild, be in nature. So I really enjoy it. Uh, yeah, that's great. I, th- I believe actually just to put something like something that is going to happen in the future, I believe that in the future we have to talk again because today maybe we're going to stay a bit more about road cycling and yeah. all this kind of stuff. But I'm already thinking about my new challenge of 2019. I really believe that, yeah, I'm, uh, mountain bike hooked me up. So probably next year we're going to talk again or even before because I did some suggestion about mountain bike. So because you were a professional mountain biker, I think that yeah, we're going to I love do- it. I love the outlook good reason to 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 already think about a second episode that's awesome (laughs) yeah yeah perfect and um, yeah talking about that that's exactly the thing you know i was checking at your strava account and they saw a lot not only of cycling but also skiing and running everything should be related right to your past and uh, three athletes yeah probably i you you name it there i think it's it's the beauty if you if you spend years as a triathlete, obviously you have to you have to run, whether you like it or not. You have to swim. There's no skiing involved, but obviously you have a bit of a broader background. And I guess I just yeah get get back into those other sports to just mix it up. Especially now in winter, I find it personally I find it quite hard to spend the hours on the bike in the cold. So I'm really happy to have those other other legs to the stool to just be able to to still do sport be active but in a different maybe in a different context a little bit yeah great and uh, the other point actually that i would love to point out from your cycling history would do you prefer if i have to make something really a dry question would you prefer group rides or solo rides <laughs> yeah we obviously i'm laughing because we quickly talked about it in the in the lead up to this call because i Hear so many people get excited about uh, etape du tour and that sort of mass participation events. And I'll be controversial here. I'll be I'll be really honest. For me, an event like the etape du tour is probably probably the day of riding in the year that I like the least. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be really honest here. Yeah, I think it's oh, for me. Cycling is just the beauty of cycling is 
absolutely empty roads, the solitude of the mountains. Love to take along a couple of friends um, that you just ride with, vibe with, but equally, you ride with those guys and you might not talk for three or four hours, but everything is said, everything is clear. So in that sense, probably I'm a bit more old school than the, than the, the average or the, the classic 2018 roadie. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably a little bit more old school in that sense that the riding comes first, and then all the other and all the other things fall into place. I would say. <laughs> okay, let's say that that's not exactly in topic with my podcast because on the other side, I'm really a social cyclist. But if we have to talk about social social cyclists, even if you are riding and you prefer to ride solo, here the topic of today is going to be around Strava, and Strava per se is kind of i don't know a club itself a social club for cycling so let's go straight away into the strava thing and right now i define it something like a sport club so something like a huge club of cyclists or enthusiasts about sport how would you define on your side strava oh brilliant segue stefano and maybe maybe before i give you the 15 second the classic elevator pitch what strava is a, a let's do it um, i almost want to because i think through through now three years that i work with strava and that i have an account and upload my activities i think strava really really taught me something and i think in my in my world 10 or 15 years ago cycling only existed in this one-dimensional way it's you ride hard you don't have to talk a lot um, it's just who rides the fastest is the is the coolest cat. And I think through Strava, I got exposed to a, so many people, but also so many different ways of riding. So it's been a real interesting experience for me to just, yeah, get to know other people, other, other attitudes, other ways of riding. And I think it's exactly that metaphor that sums up Strava, right? Um, you just meet people, you come together with people in the digital space, but often also in the in the real world then, on a bike, on a road. And it doesn't matter what type of riding you prefer, what kind of rider you are, you share this this passion that, that brings you together. And maybe you connect on Strava again, as I said, maybe you know you happen to, to coincide also in the real world at some point, but that's really the magic of Strava. And you used the analogy already, my quick my one liner for for strava is really we are a digital sports club really what the sports club in germany or in europe maybe in the 70s and 80s was is exactly what strava does in 2018 30 40 years later that we simply bring people together independent from what job they do what their social background is um absolutely doesn't matter whatever their thinking is their way of being we just bring people together. If you have a passion for sport, for cycling, you find a home on Strava and absolutely 100% for sure you find like-minded people that you will vibe with, that you will enjoy riding with, that you enjoy to simply connect with. And I think that's the beauty of Strava today, um, that we allow that independent from time and space, like I started to follow you as we started talking a couple of days ago. And now I see, oh, Stefano has been out riding or a couple of other friends in Berlin. Equally, I have Strava friends on the other side of the world. And I can see what they get up to, what adventures they do, if they are running or riding or swimming. It's just really mesmerizing and for me quite quite amazing to, yeah, to have that connective tissue. And Strava allows just that. 
that's quite nice yeah that's super cool but yeah if i can actually uh, try to point out something more about the social side of Strava I would go and I would say I actually can see a lot of possibilities out there for Strava because for example there are the groups they're really cool and actually if you have friends around the world as you were saying you can check and you can see oh look maybe I don't know Paul is riding with my friend John up there in Canada or this and that you can see a lot of social things over there and I believe that actually the fundamental thing over there are the groups in Strava where you can also organize rides and everything but something always really uh, moved into my mind and this question I'm really happy to have you here so I can ask you this question why in Strava there's not any feature to send direct messages hmm. yeah that's a great question of course and you already indicated a couple of features maybe or a couple of things that Strava we introduced or the engineering team introduced that are make just the experience so much more fun and one certainly is group rides or any group activity that you see oh wow be it a race or be just a standard up in berlin uh the the cycling store there the coolest cycling store cafe it's called standard bicycles and whenever there's a group ride organized by by those guys you already see straight away in my feed i see five or six people that i follow it's grouped together as one activity and it's good fun for me to see and really it's really inspiring because their pictures get pulled together you just see sometimes the activity titles evolve around the same theme so you already get a feel for oh what happened there that was a fun ride etc etc so that's good fun um the other thing that you mentioned direct messaging we actually thought about that at some at some point earlier on a couple of it's already years back, whether we should start to introduce such a feature. But then we moved away and it didn't seem to make so much sense for us because really I go back to analogy, the analogy. We want to be a sports club. We just want to bring people together in the context of sport. And clearly the direct messaging feature, other, other companies or other brands do that already and they do it much better, right? I think of iMessage, I think of WhatsApp. There's all sorts of products that are so effective at, at allowing that, yeah, that direct messaging function. We have a different mission. We have a different vision who we want to be, and it didn't fit our roadmap. So we decided very, very brutal to say, hey, you know what? It doesn't make sense. What we did allow, what fell off the back of that thinking, um, what fell out of it was really the ad mention function. So in the app at the moment, if you want to comment on an activity or a post, you can very simply type in ad and then the first couple of letters from the Strava screen name of your friend and it sucks in that person and it, it uh, creates a push notification to that person that you're targeting with that specific content uh, con comment. And that's probably as close as we want to get to direct messaging. But it's always in the context of an athletic activity, of a ride, etc., etc. Yeah, it makes actually completely sense. If I can summarize your uh, thoughts about it, probably it could be then Strava is it is and is going to be always a tracking or whatever a social club, but everything about sports. If you want to talk privately with somebody go and ride with them and talk in person. <laughs> it makes sense. That is perfect. That's exactly, that's actually a really nice angle how you summarize there, what you summarize there, absolutely. So we're the, we're the digital connective tissue, but exactly, if you want to have a face-to-face -face conversation, 
Everybody get out on the bike, go and ride. There <laughs> you go. Yeah. <laughs> Strava is based on outdoor, mainly outdoor sport. Doesn't make sense to let people chat indoor or maybe on their phone on the digital wise. Go outside and ride. Enjoy fresh air outside and then you can talk in person. Yeah, I really like actually the definition made in that <laughs> way. It's perfect. Good. But yeah, actually you were mentioning uh, different steps, let's say, of Strava as uh, a product, as a thing itself, also a philosophy, a social club, as we're saying. But if we need, if we have to go through an history of Strava, how would you go through? So how it started and how it's, uh, it develops till now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is fun and it's, it's almost a little founding myth, if you like, that we communicate within the company. And it's a really, it's, it's such an authentic and beautiful metaphor of what Strava is today, actually our founding myth or the founding history really of Strava. So Strava was the idea or the conceptual idea of Strava was already brought to life, if you like in the, I think it was in the 80s already, um, two friends, um, company founders, Michael Horvath and Mark Gainey. They were both studying at Harvard University and they were both in the rowing team. They were both super avid a- athletes in the rowing team. And they had um, what they call the clubhouse, basically where the team before and after the training sessions, they meet, they hang out, they get changed. They digest uh, maybe if they have had any not so not so uh, productive or successful trainings or competitions. Equally, they were celebrating um, if they had a good a good competition or race or anything. So the clubhouse became that metaphor of bringing bringing the team together. Right, it's that locker room where all the camaraderie happens, where all the soul that we all we all as cyclists or as athletes. We enjoy and the social aspect of the sport really happens. And that um, that idea or that metaphor they thought about before leaving actually university, we want to hang on to that. We want to continue with that energy. Why would we ever in our life let go of that, what we have here, what we have in that clubhouse? And that was really the moment when Strava was born. So the way they verbalized it back then was the digital locker room they wanted to invent. So that was step one. That was the idea. Step two was obviously finding the technology to allow that. And the technology didn't exist at that time. They had to wait, I think, 15, 20 years until very early on. It was Garmin who came up with the first GPS devices, uh, GPS technology brought into the context of sport or leisure outside of the military world, basically. Um, and they, they waited and went different ways and ran other businesses, very successful businesses. And as soon as GPS technology was made available to athletes, basically, they connected back together and reminded each other of that idea of the boathouse back on the uh, Harvard University campus and started to think about exactly that product, that digital locker room, um, bring back bring back the camaraderie of the sport that they had back in the 80s. And that was really from there how things happened very, very organically, very beautifully, because in a very efficient way, the technology moved forward from GPS devices into smartphones, into mobile phones. It got very accessible, improved a whole lot over the years. And fast forward a couple of years later, where we are today, Everyone has a smartphone. GPS technology is in basically any any pocket of everyone walking the streets of Berlin, if you like. Um, 
so a very yeah very successful or they were lucky with their with their timing i guess and had a had a great idea uh, a great conceptual idea and brought that to life uh, with a with a passionate team of athletes and yeah and then everything brought us actually here in 2018 where now we can actually drop some numbers about Strava. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we were talking about numbers and Strava and in general, and yes, because I'm a number addicted and because marketing is my work, even if I don't want to bother anybody with analytics at uh, questions, but we would like to know how big is Strava. So how many people are actually inside of the community? If you can give me, I don't know, an idea also how many groups are over there. Yeah people, groups, important numbers that you can give me. Absolutely, uh, Stefano, and I love to do that. Obviously, we are we are a sports company on the one hand side. On the other hand, we are a data company as well, right? So mm -hmm. we have quite a few numbers we, we love to share and that make us very, very proud. So I give you a couple of headlines, uh, right? We analyzed always towards the end of the year, we always analyze or we go back and look at the community and want to give something back to the community that everyone is proud of. And the highlight number from last year, 2017, was 16 activity uploads every single second of the year. That's more than 10 million activities uploaded per week. And that's amazing when you think of it. Um, it's not a Google search query. It's an activity. That means somebody went out in the rain, in the shine, in the cold, um, went on a little adventure, ran up a mountain, ran across a lake, did whatever he loves to do or she, um, came back and shared it with his friends. So that number is, is pretty pretty amazing. What do you think? So you said 16? 16, one six, 16 activities every single second. So that's on average. Wow. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, then obviously community growth because you asked about the community, how big is the community? Um, the, the, the headline number there is we add about a million athletes to uh, to this sports club every 40 days. Also pretty amazing when you think of it. And obviously with every million that we add, the, the time shrinks because it's like a network. It's that snowball effect. So hopefully by the end of the year 2018, that 40-day timeline comes down to God knows what, maybe 30 days or something even shorter. So the bigger we are, the more we grow, the faster the community grows. Also great to see. Um, one headline around kudos, um, which everyone loves to get and hopefully everyone loves to give as well. Uh, Strava athletes exchanged 1.3 billion kudos also throughout the course of last year. Um Amazing when you think of the engagement and the interaction and just the emotion that's floating around in the network. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, great. So huge numbers over there. But actually, there is not obviously the main uh, landscape of um, users of Strava is actually made by uh, normal users myself yourself my friends uh, the standard guys or everybody outside but also the pros are in strava they got addicted i think also to post their data and uh, to show everybody everything to the public but does it really make sense in your opinion for uh, if you would have if you still would be a pro cyclist, would you put all your data, your watts, your uh, heart, uh, heart rate, your uh, 
everything, your speed on a famous climb, for example. Would you put everything on Strava? Yes, I'm talking about the Mare on the Cipressa. That's a pretty famous thing. Would you <laughs> think that it's healthy to put all the data of your training, of uh, your, yeah, of your training, of your races, everything on Strava or? Yeah, I mean, Stefan, brilliant question. And obviously the whole topic in the world of cycling around pros is oh, there's so much emotion, which is the best indication, right? People love it. The pros love it. And obviously me as the guy working for Strava, I love it just as much. And absolutely, my answer would be absolutely yes. I, I love to see any pro in the world that's racing competitively to share whatever he feels comfortable with, really, in terms of power data, in terms of heart rate data with his fans on Strava. And the simplest is, Uh, the reason is super simple. His fans, his or her fans, in fact, there's plenty of female pros as well on Strava. The fans love it. They love to go in because what it allows, especially on Strava segments, then it allows that comparison from myself, average Joe. I can see, wow, what does it actually mean if an Andre Greipel is on the Champs Elysees? and racing the last kilometer over the cobblestones. And if I, I compare my my watt um, output, my wattage with his, or up a mountain in the Alps, and I see, wow, uh, Emanuel Buchmann, a climbing specialist, German rider here from um, from Bora Elgon. He, I can compare my own my own segment time up a pass with his time, and it just it's just jaw-dropping it's eye-opening to see wow those guys are such strong riders and it allows that direct comparison it's pretty amazing and then obviously on a big race or even on a, one of the grand tours mm -hmm. it's amazing to see to observe and keep an eye on their heart rate analysis on their power output again to see after three or three weeks at the tour de france to see wow what happens to the heart rate Uh, compared to a, a one-day spring classic race. It's amazing how the body reacts and to get a bit of an idea what that actually means, the, the pressure and the stress on the human body of those guys. Absolutely eye-opening, absolutely mesmerizing. So, of course, we, we love it if the guys do that, if the pros do that. Equally, if a pro decides not to, there is the argument to be had, and I'm sure you have a point of view on it, to say, hey, it's... It's top secret information. Maybe a Chris Froome doesn't want to share, oh, my heart rate on day 15 of the tour was a little bit higher than I wanted it to be. Maybe he doesn't want his competition to see that. And that's very, that's absolutely fair. And he can, the individual, the pro can make that choice. Um, so we take a, we, we, we choose to take the obvious and yeah, the sober, the sober stance to just um, allow every individual to take that decision. But obviously, personally, I love it. And I would encourage every pro to go, hey, I want to share that with my fans because it's such interesting. Um, yeah, such such interesting data sets. Yeah, actually, I would embrace completely your point of view. That is actually this last one, but also your first one. Is everything in the same? Talking about pro cycling, I know it's all the time completely you know it's different even to step into these words because the main thing is always the same if you don't have anything to hide 
then go for it. They put everything public so that everybody can follow you. Everybody can understand how much work you need to pull the bicycle at that speed and and all these things. But on the other side, you know, it's kind of it's a chess game also there. So you don't want your uh, competitor to know how much you can pull in that climb or in this or in that. But on the other side, as I always say. In the bicycle, you cannot invent anything. If you want to do more, even in that kind of environment of the pro cycling, if you want to do more, put yourself on a bicycle and ride and sweat and train off as much as you can. If everything is like this, then uh, yeah, you can put everything on Strava. And I really like actually your answer when you were saying it's pretty cool because we, us as normal Joe, regular Joe um, that are riding the bicycle, we really can understand how should you do to get there and how your body behaves after a three weeks grand tour that's an amazing point of view at the end yeah absolutely mesmerizing to see that you know how the body just with those guys after three weeks two and a half weeks in the heart rate can't even get up that high anymore the body is so tired it's yeah and it's obviously a set of data or something a reality you don't get to see but it gives you an indication right we sit at home on our computer desks desks desktops and look at a chart from a six or seven hour ride but at least it gives you a bit of a feel for what's the incredible athletic achievement of those guys right it's uh, absolutely amazing yeah and just helps to to put context to that um you were mentioning actually uh, women cyclists and uh, men cyclists do you have an idea of the ratio between men and women on strava if just the last i, I swear is the last number that i tried to take out from you hey, absolutely fine stefano um, and obviously we have a we have a we keep keep close eye and a, a good track of of our numbers obviously and to be honest, especially on the cycling side of, of the Strava community, there is a clear overweight um, on the agenda specificity on the on the men's side, right? A lot more men are riding bikes, are uploading to Strava. And I think it's a direct reflection of the industry in itself. And unfortunately, I, personally, I find unfortunately, it's also a reflection of the pro circus. So there's a lot more, obviously, male pro cyclists partaking in the sport earning their living with it and creating a fan base and racing traveling around the world than women so i'd say probably it's it's probably um three to one yeah it's a bit sad but at least we are seeing and i'm watching also following thanks to this podcast and following a lot women cycling or whatever i can see actually an increase of the number of yeah, female cyclists jumping on the bike and also recording their tracks and everything on Strava. And hopefully around five years, let's say May, midterm, around five years, we are going to get at least a bit closer because, yeah, it's a really, it, I don't know. I believe that for everybody, it's something like a waste of uh, possibilities and potential there. And also I'm pretty, pretty sad when I'm going out with a bicycle in groups that are all only man on the bicycle the group is not the same there's there's too much testosterone over there and uh i don't like this kind of feeling as well as well hey and um maybe on that note i can um maybe pinpoint everyone listening to this we have a we used to have a strava employee l anderson um she's an american athlete and she's actually a pro cross 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 rider pro cross cyclist um 
I believe if I remember, <laughs> I should really know that, but I think she quit her job at Strava to actually go full-time pro uh, to just race a couple of couple of seasons um, out of Europe, in fact. But she's a brilliant example of a female rider that is just so incredibly strong, so amazing to, to watch, to follow on Strava, obviously, to see, you know, every every male cyclist out there race race virtually with or against l anderson you will you will be amazed by yeah her output her achievements really amazing and great example so yeah um even more so important that we that we support those female races that are on strava and really yeah shine a light on shine a light on them and that's what we're trying to do because it's yeah equally inspiring and or if not more inspiring really amazing to see what those ladies are doing how strong they are and yeah what they what they do yeah great i'm gonna put anyways the her strava her, the link on her strava account down in the description so everybody can can check over there cool thank you perfect so let's go on in a bit more let's say curiosity and stuff about strava features and everything i think that people out there wants to know which one are in your opinion or on the data that you have in your mind which one are the most challenging koms ah brilliant question also of course the, the kom is such a it's such a, a treasure chest for us really um, maybe I start with a with a very specific slice of our membership, and that's the pros again, because there is obviously we every single Strava employee knows one or two um, pro athletes out of the out of the pro circus, right? And the interesting fact there is, if we chat to those guys, there's always this. It's certainly not an urban myth. It is. We believe that it is factual. There is a real. Um, there's a real a real thing or a real preciousness um, evolving around Strava, around Strava KUMs. So what happens, and I can illustrate that with a quick example, what what we were told happens quite a bit in actually uh, bigger races, one day or multi-stage races. Pros obviously in the, in the lead up to a, to a race, they look, they check out the, check out the course, they figure out where are the most prestigious Strava segments. And as they approach the segments, a segment what some of the riders do actually as approaching them they they fall back in the peloton right uh -huh. so they hang back maybe 20 50 meters just a couple of seconds and as they race really along that segment and um, get closer towards the end they work their way up to the very tip of the peloton again and obviously we all know uh, being Strava users what happens is you start a little bit further back you end up with the top group you're faster than anyone else Obviously. in the peloton, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's that's a very effective way, a very, um, yeah, in terms of power output, a very effective way to secure the one or the other KOM along the race course. And it just puts a smile on our face to hear those stories, right, from the pro peloton, what those guys are doing. Um, so really amazing to see from the very tip of the sport, right, the best athletes in the world really battling and fighting for KOMs, being proud of them. And it obviously trickles down to, again, the, the average Joes, you and me, Stefano, mm -hmm. uh, us, you know, maybe having a little glance, you come home from your ride and you see, oh, how am I doing on the leaderboard? And I tell you, here in Germany, it's a lot easier to land a score, a good position, a good place on the leaderboards. If you in the UK um, on the island or if you in the US anywhere on the east or west coast where Strava is probably 
couple of years more mature, have a lot more riders on the platform, it's incredibly hard to get in the top 50, most of the times top 1, 200 um, uh, ranks off the leaderboard. So the most challenging KOM, probably I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't have an answer. I think it's something that's so unique to every single every single athlete on Strava would give you a different answer. But equally, I'd say probably more than half of all Strava athletes have one. They would give you an answer straight away and go, oh, the KOM, I've always eyeing, I'm always eyeing up is XYZ. So, Tell me yours, then. Which one is the one that you would like to get at a certain point? <laughs> Stefano, again, I'm I'm breaking the scheme here. I'm I'm too old of a man to chase KOMs. <laughs> I, <laughs> okay. I leave that to the guys in my neighborhood who are fast enough to actually go for KOMs. <laughs> Do you have one though? Tell me. Something just pop up into my mind is the Toffesberg one. So the. Uh, is the the highest peak here in Berlin? Let's say I think it's a climb of 500 meters. Yeah, maybe uh, yeah, it's the degrees, whatever. There, are, it's a bit tough, but nothing special. But this would be run. Or another one is the um, seven kilometer segment on the Oskrone. That is kind of um, is a cycling road, so no cars and nothing. It's exactly on the east. Yeah, on the side of the canal close to yeah it's in Oskrona close to Neukölln that goes to to the airport and that's the one that I've done the most and actually I would love to be in the top 10 over there but it's a bit boring you know it's just a straight street of seven kilometers seven points stuff kilometer and yeah I would love to be there but I will never 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 do that maybe Toffesberg is gonna be better or maybe let's see what is gonna happen in my uh, time that I'm gonna be in Mallorca for sure I will fall in love with some KOM over there or some climb over there and for sure we'll get there but if i can name two right now in berlin i would say yeah toffesberg and oskrone yeah that oskrone sounds like a tough one really that's a that's a grind because it's a long one exactly. <laughs> uh, go out in a group and chase it probably <laughs> or just you can go something like beside or really following holding the wheel i don't know of a scooter or whatever but they are not allowed there so maybe in the night yeah yeah do that. <laughs> Maybe do something that. I can do with it. Go for it. Hey, and then also around KOMs, actually, what comes to mind? Yeah. Talk to a talk to a, a friend, or actually from from a running brand, uh, the Danish running brand, uh, Seiskite. Um, he he came and talked to me. And he was so fired up about about KOMs. He told me about uh, a Danish guy whose whole mission it became for over two years. He wanted to. He wanted to go out to his friends and tell everyone that he owns a thousand KOMs and he made it his mission in his life to do nothing Boom. else. And I thought it's such a fun story. You know, it's such quirky things that happen on Strava all the time. And most of the times we don't even know, right? But it's it seemed to be right spot on to your question. What happens around KOMs is just all sorts of crazy stuff. People collecting them, people chasing them. So really, really great 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 material to build legends and tell stories and all sorts of stuff <laughs> at the end of the day it's also the old story of the worst retirement ever of phil gaymond going outside and chasing and getting all the koms that till now belongs to people not clean let's say cyclists and it's so crazy actually that the four okay it, 
I don't want to say this thing, but I'm going to say this. He was never a superstar. Actually, the way that he's known is more as a writer and the social media, in the social media, whatever, than cyclist itself. He's good on telling his story. But on the other side, that's the perfect story. As a former professional writer gets sponsors just to smash all the KOMs, the most important KOMs in the US that are owned by not clear, completely clean, let's say, cyclists. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, I agree with you, Stefano. I, I think what Phil is doing is just so much. He's just having fun. And I think it's a great way, a great, yeah, great use case of Strava. You know, it's competition, fair competition, independent of time and space. And it becomes, again, it becomes this beautiful metaphor of he's just having fun. And even the the way he calls it, right? Worst retirement ever. And yeah, I en- I, I'll be honest with you. I enjoy to watch his episodes and some of it makes me laugh. And I go, oh, what a crazy, what a crazy writer. And just, yeah, obviously he's controversial, but very entertaining. And I, I, I enjoy it, I must say. So it's good fun. <laughs> yeah, actually talking about this topic, um, yeah, we have to take, actually, I have to take a position over here. I was not, actually, I was not so, okay, I knew his name and everything, but I started got to knowing him thanks to the video that he was doing. And then after it, I started reading his book, now I'm reading his first book, actually. I cannot tell you, actually, I have to be completely sincere, I really love his character into cyclist, cycling. It's such a cool person to follow whatever also because it's not a person who is shy you know on uh, talking about stuff or taking position is there maybe uh, you know sometimes he gets really uh, above the line sometimes let's say when he talks about cancellara but at the end he came out with a challenge of chasing cancellara this summer and that's cool he's not scared of taking a position or saying his point of view and everything and he's pretty as you were saying he's pretty entertaining and it looks like also being a super cool and easy going guy i was watching the video that he made together with the vegan cyclists and uh, it looks like he's not completely obsessed by chasing and getting and smashing koms he can also have fun have a beer and climb some mountains without pushing hard so absolutely yeah, yeah. as you say just controversial and because of that probably so entertaining so yeah i think it it enriches just this entire microcosmo of cycling you know it's a point of view it's a real polarizing point of view and i for that alone i think it's it's great and it may if anything it makes things richer and more entertaining and gets people to think probably as well to think hey do i like that or do i agree or disagree so i think for that for that alone it's he's contributing something um, to that, to the world of cycling, for sure. Yeah, and I hope that also, him at a certain point, first of all, he will come at my microphone here to have a to have a chat here, talking about stuff, talking about everything, talking about Lance Armstrong, talking about Cancellara, talking about a lot of people. I hope he's gonna come. And another thing that I will hope for him to come here to Europe and do the same, smashing KOMs in general everywhere in Europe. I think it's a bit more difficult for him doing it here, but anyways. Oh, brilliant. That's a great outlook. I love that. I love the idea. (laughs) I will tell him, I will write him on on Twitter. Let's see if he's going to answer to me. He's never doing it. Uh, But on the other side, talking about social cycling or whatever, that's something uh, that just jumps into my mind right now. I think that's an amazing uh, idea that Strava adds together with Rafa is the festive five hundred mm. how what do you think about it are you doing it or yeah yeah hey the festive the festive 500 as you said it's a 
Oh, it's such a beautiful, beautiful campaign. Be- it's the perfect idea, right? The perfect idea to challenge a real cyclist. I think in terms of timing, in terms of uh, the name is really catchy, in terms of how hard that challenge is. So that challenge really ticks all the boxes. And really kudos to, to Rafa. Uh, they've been supporters and close friends of the of the brand since day one, really. Um, I think it was, Strava was founded 2009 and already, don't quote me on this, which is hard if you're on a podcast, but I believe Mm -hmm. as of the first year Strava was running, they already introduced the Feisty 500 um, challenge basically to, to everyone's, to everyone's followership, Strava member or, or Rafa fan. And they've been super loyal. We obviously love to to support it. We love to support the campaign because we know oh, there's so much emotion. There's so much positive, positive vibes going on around it. Uh, people people talk about it. People come and talk to come and talk to me about it when they know that I work for Strava. Oh, they are so proud if they've achieved it or they achieved it in year X, but didn't didn't achieve it in year Y. So all sorts of stuff happening around it. And, and I think, again, it's just a, the perfect example for us what challenges can do on a platform like Strava. It just gets people out in the most um, unfortunate time of the year in the harshest of conditions. Um, it's the perfect way to get people off the couch, cycle off, spin off their Christmas duck and, and be active. So perfect example and really, yeah, really, really beautiful to see, see it carry on. Yeah, at, at least I can say that from this point of view, Strava has something in common with Coke, with Coca-Cola. You know, <laughs> the both of you are red, and the both the both of you should be completely related to Christmas and Christmas <laughs> period. I don't know why Coca-Cola is actually so related to be to Christmas, but I know exactly where Strava is because of Festive Five Hundred. Oh, that's brilliant! Great to hear. I love that. How often have you done it, Stefano? <laughs> I have never done it. Also because you know why? Uh, I have actually two main problems over there the first one is the weather i go out but i cannot go out for so much time when it's december and the second thing is because usually i go back home so i come i come from the south of italy i come from calabria and down south there first of all i don't have the bicycle and second thing it's so scary to go out with a bicycle now i have a lot of friends that moved back to calabria and now they are starting going with a bicycle and it looks like also okay my cousin my cousin is a massive cyclist and every time he lives now in the north of Italy but as everybody of the family does um, we are going all down south for for Christmas and now he started actually also carrying his bicycle and bringing his bicycle back and he started going it's the second year in a row that he's doing the festive 500 as well as well as um, um, down there as well and he told me that actually he can see a development of the movement but because people down south the movement is not so big yet and people are not used especially car driver are not so used to see um bicycle on the street and also the street are not made are not made to uh, let's say be comfortable for cyclists i'm so scared of riding down south and then the other problem is that i don't want to carry my own bicycle and it's impossible to rent a bicycle in calabria so i've never done it but next year just i'm making a promise to everybody of you there also because weather in christmas down south in calabria in catanzaro where i was born it's so great i swear that i'm gonna do it there you go stefano um 
put that make sure your friend from list and write uh hears about your promise that would be a good good reason to get some list and write customers down in south of italy that would solve your problem right yeah for sure for sure i can actually uh, push him and give him the challenge to find me a bicycle to rent and then i can do the fixit the fixit 500 everybody will Everybody here related is going to be super happy about it. Strava, because they're going to have the first Festive 500, almost the first, yeah. I think, uh, down south in Calabria. Is right? Because they're going to have the first bicycle rented over there. And myself, because I'm going to do it. Riding the bicycle is the best thing in the world, I think. Let's say the second. Ian, Stefano, as we were talking, I was pulling up the Strava heat map, actually, and looked at Calabria. And you're right. Um, there is, it's probably the, the darkest spot of almost all of Italy. Um, you see on Sicily, it's it's lit up again. Along the coast, it's lit up. But Calabria is really, there's one one area that's a bit lighter. You would probably know it once you pull it up. But yeah, very interesting. So I can confirm what you're saying. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the cool thing about Strava, you know. You cannot hide yourself. All the data are over there. And look at that. Yeah, you're completely right. Now I'm uh, exactly there. I can see that actually here, exactly the parts where I belong, the city, I am more or less in the center okay. uh, of Calabria. Nothing is there. Nobody's going out on a bicycle. Yeah. In the yeah. Sila National Park, there seems to be quite a bit of heat. Uh, no. yeah, 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 because it's amazing over there. As I was seeing, saying, this winter, uh, my my cousin was riding there. He came out with a lot of an amazing picture with snow, with the lake or whatever. It's really amazing. That's why it's a really a pity. It's a pity not to have any development on uh, mm-hmm. on this part of sports in Italy also because everybody is passionate about football and that's it over there. But there are so many sports. <laughs> yeah. Well. Maybe your next job is at the Calabrian Tourist Board. Get some sight uh, down there. <laughs> why not? Why not? Maybe I can do a podcast about it. <laughs> there you go. Okay, let's go through the end of the episode. We want to know some curiosities out there about the product that you represent, the brand that you represent, the philosophy that you represent. Which one are the three most underrated feature of Strava. The feature that you would say, I'm 100% sure that you didn't use this one. All right. First off, never underestimate a Strava athlete. Um, There is probably, I would argue there's people out there that know Strava better than I do. Um, That's usually what I get in terms of feedback. The perfect answer to what you just asked me, Stefano, is if you you Google Strava labs, uh, labs as in laboratory, so it's basically the playground for our engineering team to just work on projects that they feel are cool or different um, and spend a bit of time on it, um, release them possibly even without making them part of the official UX, basically. Uh, it has a slightly different, not as polished um, look and feel to it. And I don't know if you're on the site already, it's labs.strava.com. Yeah, Very I have it over here. Global heat map is on there. On the right hand mm-hmm. side to that, there's something called Project Kodos. Yeah. Right. I don't know if you've ever played with that. It's the it, first time. It basically links your your personal Strava account and it shows you and illustrates you everything about around social interaction, right? Social interaction in terms of how many kudos you you give out and how many you receive back. Ah, yeah. Beautifully illustrated on uh, which day of the week, which hour of the day. There's also an illustration further down 
um, who you give the most kudos to and who you receive the most from. <laughs> so you it's great. Familiar um, faces probably in the profile shots there. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the avatar circle down the bottom. So there's there's a couple of things in there that are just so much fun and so unexpected. I think for a lot of people to just um yeah have a have a go at it and play with it so yeah sorry if i interrupt you the coolest thing that i can see over here is actually that usually i'm more active on giving kudos <laughs> on sunday between <laughs> one and and four o'clock because it's the time that i'm coming back from home and i'm super excited because i rode the bicycle <laughs> and then i put like to everybody it's great it's so true <laughs> right yeah it's really i think a lot of people will find their behavior almost confirmed for me it's funny funny you say that for me it's sunday night 6 p.m it's where i yeah. clearly give so much more kudos than any other time of the day yeah interesting <laughs> great so yeah that's a great one yeah. we have something else to tell us um i think otherwise another really good one what i feel oh i i found so many friends um through through the feature is strava flybys right i don't know if huh? you know flybys it's Never, no. Um, it's actually something you see in the web-based interface, so on Strava.com. Mm -hmm. I already, to be perfectly honest, I already have it in the mobile UX as well, but it's a okay. uh, employee-only feature at the moment, okay. which is good fun. So test it. <laughs> but basically what it does, what Flyby does, is you come home from your ride, and every of your activity you can look for literally flybys so who you were flying by um basically ah, okay okay, okay. athletes did you cross paths with either going your way going the opposite way and it's a link that takes you to to a to a to a different browser window and you see it inter um how do you say uh you see it visualized basically on a map and every every athlete is represented with a little dot, and you see where your paths crossed. And it's good fun to really, um, yeah. Oftentimes you see someone when you're out riding up a mountain pass, and you thought, oh, that guy, that guy looks interesting. Oh, he looks fast. I wonder who that was. Or sometimes it's even a pro. You know, oh, I wish I knew which pro that was. If you're on Mallorca, you will see that next week when you're going. Um, probably quite a quite a few times. And it's a great way to just, yeah, get an indication who that person was. You can hit him up with a little message, say, hey, where are you from? What do you do? la di da, -da. Um, So a good, a good social feature, again, to just get connected. Um, yeah, great. So, yeah, and then we know already that in the future you are not going to plan any direct message feature. But... Can you tell us a sneak peek on what is go what will go on on about future features of Strava mid long term? Yeah, of course, and I think um, I'm I'm super excited about where Strava is going. Right, um, not sure how how the cyclists will will feel about it because if anything, I think the ambition is we feel as a team at Strava we feel we served. Um, the cyclists really well with features like the Strava segment, um, flybys, so many pros on board. So probably midterm, we will we will focus a lot of our energies to to broaden the network because another trend that we see is a lot of people ride bikes, but they're also involved in other sports. And we really feel and we believe, hey, there's no reason why 
why why you shouldn't um, post a yoga workout or a walk or an ice hockey activity or any any sport in the world. So we, we will, if anything, we will focus our energies on broadening that appeal from mainly riders and runners at the moment to skiing, to snow sports, to summer sports, to non-GPS-based activities on all that entire world of sports that we're not serving so um, we haven't focused on it over the last couple of years. And I think that's the change, the shift that you will hopefully see um, over the next coming years um, that we just appeal to whatever athlete you are, whatever your sport is, you find a home on Strava. Perfect. I would say that, yeah, it's the uh, it's going to be the challenge for all of us, only cycling, for sure to change, the not only be roadie, but also do other stuff. For till now, I have, okay, my commuting, but that's fine. I have my road bicycle. I have, I was riding fixed gear last year. Now I quit. I think I will quit. And it's going to be for sure mountain biking, but also to start some new stuff in the future. And probably that's a good thing, actually, to still feel in family using Strava for for all the activities this would be great yeah yeah exactly um as you as you even looking at yourself right you like fixed gear you like road bikes on mallorca you'll be riding a time trial bike there's so many different even within the world of of cycling there's so many different different athletes activity types there's mountain biking so yeah so many different aspects to the sport that we'd love to reflect in the best possible way obviously yeah 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 Okay, Paul, it was a pleasure to talk with you, but I would love to give you your last chance to take out something from your chest. The last words that you want to say in this podcast. Oh, that's, that's... this episode, by the way, because we are going to talk again in this podcast about <laughs> mountain biking. Right, mountain bikes coming up. Hey, very easy, obviously. Thank you, Stefano, for having me. Uh, real, real, a whole lot of fun um, to talk to you, share a few insights from Strava, and really my my cry rallying call is is really hey get on strava upload your activities find find friends on strava connect and yeah don't spend too much time on on just your mobile phones go out and ride <laughs> that would be my my number one wish <laughs> It looks like actually it's really the philosophy of Strava. And uh, we uh, actually you're pushing us on riding outside also uh, in December, the coldest period of the year apart from this year. Okay, the social part, okay, the trucking part, okay, the digital part, but go out and ride and run and ski and whatever. Exactly. Just be active. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, Paul, it was a pleasure. Really, thanks a lot for being here. And uh, yeah, enjoy the end of the winter and uh, also the super cold weather that is outside in these days. And we're going to talk soon again for sure. Thank you, Stefano. Likewise, speak very soon. Thanks a lot, Paul. It was an amazing pleasure to talk with you. And I believe that all of the kids that are outside took note about the cool stuff that you said and the cool feature that Strava is powering in all our computer and desktop. Thanks a lot. It was an amazing chat. And thanks to you guys that you arrived till here and you are still listening to my shitty voice with this shitty audio. Let's say my voice is amazing. It's the audio that is not perfect for this time. I have to say thank you here from Mallorca to Wahoo and Isador because it's an amazing pleasure to ride with them. And I have to tell you that you have to follow me. Instagram.com slash CalamaroCC Instagram account. Twitter.com slash ReadCalamaro my Twitter account. Hello at Calamaro.cc 
that's my email. Just write down if you want to listen to the story of this vacation here in Mallorca, and I will decide if I want to make an interview, sorry, an interview with myself. That could be a great format, an interview with myself about this vacation. But you have to know that you can listen to this episode and to all the other episodes on Spreaker. Spreaker.com slash ListenCalamaro or Apple Podcasts. Just write down Broomvagoon, you will find my podcast, all my episodes, and hit on the subscribe button so you will receive the updates every week of a new recording. Now it's time to wrap. Bye, guys. I will talk to you next time. Are you finished, Mr. Slade? No, I'm just getting warmed up.